Do I say tap, 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 or do I hit it? You can tap it. <laughs> Hello. Tap, tap, tap. tap, tap. tap. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Mastering Meatail, brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. I'm Mark Menino, Chief Operating Officer of Essential Digital Commerce. In this episode, we're going to cover starting and building a career in the digital commerce industry. You've probably already noticed that something's a little different in this episode. But I'm still here. Don't worry. Just keeping you on your toes. Today, I'm taking the role of host for this episode because we're going to kick off this episode talking about starting and accelerating a career in the e-commerce industry. And Emma fits the bill and has gone through the process. And then, if that bores you, I'll be asking Mark about careers at a much more senior level, so everyone's covered. Emma, this is a rather unique podcast in the Mastering Meatail series, so I'm sure a lot of first-time listeners will be on board, and they don't know anything about you. Can you take a second and give us a brief introduction of you, what you've done, and how you've gotten here? Yeah, sometimes I don't think I know anything about myself either, but for everyone listening, my name's Emma Irwin. I work as a senior editor and specialist at Essential, which broken up is a editor for Essential and a senior retail specialist for Flywheel Digital specifically. I studied retail merchandising in college, which kind of did set me up well to end up in e-com, even though I didn't know it at the time. I worked a bunch of retail jobs at the Mall of America and then had actually gotten set up with two people out of Minneapolis, former Target people that did a podcast about omni-channel retail. And so that's how I ended up with a mic in front of my face at first. And it kind of just came back to me through working at Flywheel. And it's just been it's been a wild ride ever since. So let's focus, for a lot of my questions, I want you to focus more on the digital commerce expert role. So a few years ago, you're walking around the University of Minnesota campus. You're a junior. You're a golden gopher. You're going to football games. You knew exactly what you wanted to be, right? You knew that there was this e-commerce specialist role that you were going to take, right? Is that how everybody should think about it? Absolutely not. So... I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It's really hard when you're a college student to actually know what roles exist. Like you can read, even if you came across the role e-commerce specialist, what is that actually? And so I didn't really know. And I graduated right like March 2020 is when I finished undergrad, which was a bad time. And then I went and did a year of a master's as like a placeholder. But I was just looking for jobs. I think I applied to like 250 plus jobs. Never oh heard my back. God. I know. Yeah. Never heard back from anyone, not even for an interview. And then one day I'm scrolling through LinkedIn jobs and this e-commerce specialist role appears in my feed for Flywheel Digital. And I was like, you know what? That sounds interesting. Maybe I'll go more of that digital route. And so I applied and heard back from the recruiter the next day and was eventually hired like a week later. And so that's how you ended up in Baltimore. Yeah. So that sounds a little bit random because there's 200, you looked at literally 250 roles. What would advice you would give a junior or a senior in college on how to even get ready for a career like this? And everybody's not going to work at Flywheel. They could work anywhere. They could work at a brand or at an agency or at a tech partner. What would you tell them to do? I would say one of the best things you can do that I didn't do a great job of, but find people that have jobs that are sort of interesting to you, like the title kind of is attractive to you, get them on the phone and figure out what the heck they do. Because most people are willing to take a call and describe their job to you. And that way you really get to start of build an idea of what you would and wouldn't like in a job. 
because you just don't know what's going to be in your nine to five job unless you talk to people. And it's one of the easiest things to do as a college student when you have a little bit more time and you can just go out and reach out to people and learn. And something interesting, I think, about digital commerce is that, you know, you don't need to have a business degree to get into this. Some of our smartest people are those English majors that somehow come and learn everything about ad tech. So it's finding, it's just talking to people to explore more of what you might actually like in a job. Is there, um, you know, you ended up as an e-commerce specialist, which is kind of vague, and we'll get into what that actually is. But what are the um, what are the roles that exist? Did you look at a bunch of different roles? Are there different things you kind of considered before you decided what to do? It's funny because as Flywheel being the only company that ever responded to any of my <laughs> applications. <laughs> they were really smart. <laughs> but... It was interesting because they had two jobs available that were kind of marked as entry level. And I will talk more about this, but one was a retail specialist and one was a media specialist. And I had really no clue what the difference between those were. And it was actually quite difficult. I didn't really learn the difference until like a few months into the job. But you see roles like that. Sometimes it could even be like marketing specialist or retail specialist. And it does kind of define the work that you do. But I was looking at it and the media specialist, I thought media meant like journalism and TV and whatnot, not necessarily kind of the advertising we do. And that kind of goes back to my point of just talking to people because I hounded the recruiter who reached out to me trying to figure out what this job was. And I ended up picking retail just because I had retail merchandising attached to my name as a degree. Yeah, it sounds like a slam dunk. Well, now's a good time. Why don't we get into the two roles? Okay. Can we describe a little bit about what each one does and how they should think about it? Yes. And there are more than those two roles. There are roles across, I mean, if you can do graphic design and Photoshop, you can make really cool pictures for e-commerce. You can do data science, engineering, finance. It's not exclusive to retail and media specialists, but I think there are much more like open buckets in terms of anyone can kind of really flow into a retail or media specialist and learn their way through it. So on the retail side of things, I break it into three buckets. You have executionary tasks, reporting and deck building, and then ad hoc. And what you're doing as a specialist, whether it's retail or media, is you are attached to like three to five clients, sometimes more, and you're helping them grow their business on whatever platform you're working on. That can be Amazon, Walmart, et cetera. On the retail side, we primarily stick to Amazon, so that's what I know the best. But Let's talk executionary tasks. That is just, did the title break on a PDP? You're going to go fix it. Did the images fall off? You're going to go fix it. Is there something wrong with the buy box? You're going to go fix it as a specialist. So you're just doing the actual catalog maintenance work. Reporting and deck building all floats into your clients probably want some kind of reporting from you, whether that's like inventory weeks of cover or it's looking at three-piece sellers on your listings and sending reports weekly and then building PowerPoint presentations for your clients to understand their performance of the past week or however long the period is. Ad hoc tasks is literally everything else your client could possibly ask you to do. They can, you know, let's say they launch a new product. They want to know how the ratings and reviews are doing. You're going to go scrape the ratings and reviews and put together a presentation to talk about what people like and don't like. So tasks like that. First, what's your what's your favorite part of doing that? What's like the most exciting part? I would say this is not what you're going to be expecting, but anytime you do something that really makes your client happy. Like I think as a specialist, you're you're just striving to do good work and make yeah. your client really happy. But when you get it done and your client is so happy that you actually made it come to life and they didn't have to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of 
the best part. Yeah, the one thing I would I would call out because you you mentioned a lot of things that are sound very task oriented. That I I go and fix this, I go and do that, and I go and the one thing I've been most impressed by our retail specials and really all the specials we have is that that experience and getting into and we'll talk about that later when you ask me questions. I think getting your hands dirty into what's actually going on and what's actually happening makes ends up making you one of the most experienced people in the industry and you know how this all works and you'd be amazed how many people senior senior people that we work with don't know how this works and what to do when you work with your clients what level client are you speaking with like how high up in the business they're usually account managers who run the Amazon business. And then occasionally you'll get clients where their like director of e-commerce will join calls. That's not always a given though. But it's usually account managers are like your main point of contact and they make the decisions and then they kind of have their own team of, they're not called specialists, but people who kind of do the same task work underneath them. And two or three years into your career, you're working with someone who's 10 or 20 years into their career, which I think is really exciting and impressive. I'll do a little bit on the on the media side. Basically, what you're doing is you're launching campaigns, but there's actually the strategy before that over how do you want, what type of customers and consumers do you want to address and talk to? What ad units and placements do you want to use to to talk to them? If you're curious about the industry, just open your Amazon app or open the website and look and see all the things that say sponsored on them. Those are all ad placements that we control. And then once you're launching campaigns, you're evaluating how the performance is, right? And it, it drives right into the retail side and the product detail pages that Emma and her colleagues are are controlling. And and I've always found it, to be honest, when I you know, and I've risen up on that side of the business, the most gratifying thing because it's one of the few roles in the world where you do something and literally the next day you know if it was if it worked or not. So it's really fun. Yeah. All right. I wanted to move this along a little bit to, you know, you're first starting, right? You just show up in Baltimore at Flywheel's office or at Spotlight's office in New York or Perpetua in Toronto. How are you onboarded? What do you, you know, what what is expected of you on day one? And, you know, what do they teach you and how do you get going? I'd say on day one, just showing up is what is expected of you with an open mind and you're ready to learn. And so, Flywheel specifically, which I'm going to guess a lot of the other companies have very similar kind of onboarding processes, processes, processing, it doesn't matter. But what you do is you're going to go through about four weeks of hardcore training where almost every day a week, you're going to get an hour long lesson on something about e-commerce. And so you, everyone starts out on the same page where what is e-commerce? What is Amazon? What are you looking at when you see an Amazon page? And then eventually you'll start splitting off into your different fields Our kind of like our analysts will go and do their own sort of thing, learning more about the data side. Media specialists go and learn more about the advertising and retail specialists go and learn about things like the written content and the buy box and purchase orders and fun jazz like that. And then after those four weeks are over, you're kind of just thrown onto a client account and you're assigned a training buddy, but it's kind of up to you to just start digging around, seeing what other people are doing, learning how to create the right case language, asking questions, and just figuring out, not on your own, but taking that initiative to really kind of figure out what you're working with. And I would say you're never really done onboarding because you're always, theme of this podcast is that you're always learning something new and you're never going to really know everything. So it's just a continuous process. And like I said, really the only thing that's expected of you is for you to show up and want to learn. Be curious. Yeah. 
I mean, related to that, but you've been doing this now for how long? Two years. Has it changed how you shop or how you think about shopping and all that? I would say once you understand like what you're looking at when you search any word and you see four-ish sponsored products and then the rest of the listings, like understanding the paid versus organic element and a buy box puts you just like above the average consumer. I call everyone else the others who don't understand those two elements. But what I have said, it hasn't necessarily changed how exactly I shop. I do kind of think about sometimes if I want a generic product, we always use the garlic press as an example of just a generic product where you don't care about the brand. Before working this job, I would have seen a sponsored listing show up and I would have been like, ew, an ad. But now I know that that could actually be the perfect product for me. And it they just did the work so that based on all of everything they know about me, that probably is a good garlic press for me to buy. Alternatively, away from the actual shopping method, I was not taught anything really about like the funnel. I kind of learned about path to purchase, but not necessarily in terms of marketing and advertising. So now I'm always thinking, anytime I go buy a product, I'm like, where did I first see that? Where did I first get that original thought trying to trace back why I want something in a more complex way to, did I see that? Did some like influencer in a YouTube video have an ad about it? Was it on TV? Was it on a billboard? Where do I see that first thing? And then how many cycles of an ad does it take for me to actually buy it, if any? Yeah. While we're thinking back into the past, I'm going to turn your normal question around on you. You normally ask guests, what's the last thing they bought on Amazon? What's the first thing you ever bought on Amazon? So unfortunately, I was going to show you because I wanted to make sure I could actually find it, but it's on my phone. And 2013, we're going back to 2013 is the first time I bought something, which when I saw that, I was like, okay, you were 14. You didn't have money. (laughs) You didn't have a card. How did you, you don't pay for things on Amazon in cash. So with a $25 gift card that someone gave me, I bought like a silicone Lego phone case for my iPhone 5. For $1.55. Oh, my God. As my first thing. Plus shipping. Probably. I didn't look that deep. I was just (laughs) curious about. Because I doubt you were prime. Probably not. as a one Because I didn't make another purchase until like 2016. So I definitely did not have prime at that point. It's still the same account. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I bought that and then another silicone phone case that also went on my iPhone 5. And what I didn't know at that time was how how great of a business person I am because I went and like a year later, I never even opened those and I sold them on Etsy for like 10 bucks a pop. And so- Wait, the, the case? Yeah, because oh, that wow. was back when I was like a kid of the Silly Bands era. Yeah, yeah. Like those were on my wrist. I wore those things in elementary school. So those like big soft phone cases were like the thing to have. Wow. So I was like, let you me just- You were an entrepreneur. Like, you let didn't me even know it. Empire. Yeah. yeah. In 2016, you bought another case? No, that's when I started needing like actual things and had probably a debit card of my own. So I think we then move into boring things like a hairbrush, toothpaste, Ah. because I don't, could I drive yet? Emma becomes an adult. Basically, it was. Buys things she doesn't I realized that I didn't have to go to the store to buy basic things. And that's kind of where I went with that. What's the first thing you bought on Amazon? I was going to say, because when I was going to ask you, I actually went back and looked. It was a long, long time ago. I was in business school. I ordered a a bunch of books. I still remember this because I bought a copy of, do you know The Art of War, Sun Tzu? 
It's a, it's have, a legendary I've not book. I've read that, no, but I do know. I, no one really has, but it's legendary. But I accidentally bought the pocket edition. So I, because um, <laughs> I still remember this, because going into class, everybody had a normal size version, and mine was two inches by one inch. And if you na- nowadays, if you order a book, they actually show a little like a cutout, uh, like a card, a cutout of a human body, like a cartoon. Yes, so you know what it And looks they like. show the book in front of it. I, I actually, even though I didn't complain to Amazon, I like to think they do that because of people like me who accidentally bought two-inch books. <laughs> so was it like like six inches thick? No, no, no. It was just really, really small print. Oh, and since I okay. wear glasses, that was not a good combination. So now you're you're in your job, right? You're working as an e-commerce specialist. Like what's the career path like that you think about and and what's the traditional e-commerce specialist career path one that's not going into media and uh and podcasting so i like to think of it as like what isn't a career path for someone who starts out as an e-commerce specialist if you're gonna go the more traditional route so if let's say you're at an agency like a flywheel you are going to start as a specialist and then you'll make your way up and be able to do more kind of managerial things and thinking more about strategy for a client rather than fixing things. And so as you build up your knowledge, you then get to move into that um, business manager or media manager position. And then you can move your way up into kind of director level where you're starting to think more about your own company's business rather than the business of clients. But you can also switch over to go work for a retailer. I think we come out with a lot of skills that someone like Amazon would find valuable. You don't have to do as much training because people understand the back end and how things work. You can also go work for a brand. We have lots of people who go from agency to brand because now they've learned how to drive business on a platform like Amazon or Walmart. And you can take those skills and apply them directly to the brand and you get different priorities and whatnot. But you don't necessarily have to stay in those lanes of making your way up kind of like a management ladder in e-commerce. You can switch over to, let's say, I want to go do media. I can do that. You want to go more creative with it. You can kind of float your way into digital marketing. You can go really gung-ho into like supply chain and go work on really any field. We do so much in our day-to-day jobs in e-commerce that, and you explore so many different fields of business that you can really kind of take it wherever you want. Yeah. I mean, as a as a leader, I'm a big proponent of taking it wherever you want. Like just hop, not so much hopping around, but follow what you're interested in. Yeah. Because there's so many different options. And the teams we've built here and that we wor- that work at our companies or even similar companies are so marketable. These people, they can do, you'd be amazed at how much people who even sell stuff on Amazon just don't know ha- how it works or what they're doing. And they, they, they need advice and help from from people like us. Since we like to talk in threes, I'll wrap it up with what are the what are the three most important things that a college student or someone interested in in entering digital commerce should need to know or think about. I forgot about this question until right before we pressed record, but off the top <laughs> of my head, I think be ready to learn new things. You can't like enter and think you're only going to do this one specific task. Just Everything is a learning opportunity and you never know what can actually interest you once you actually learn about it. And then number two, have some agency. Not everyone here is going to or anywhere is going to hold your hand. Like if you want to learn how to do something, go figure it out. People make YouTube videos. You can listen to Mastering Detail. Go figure out how to do the things that interest you or you're curious about or you saw someone mention something on a call and you have no idea what the heck they were talking about. 
go figure it out because then you do know or just ask them afterwards. So have that agency to go and figure things out on your own. And then lastly, talk to people within your organization. You can very easily, especially if, if you work like remotely, kind of like I do, you can not really talk to anyone all day long. But anyone that does something interesting to you, go talk to them because you never know where that might take you. Building relationships is critical for your career. I agree 100%. All right, that was fun, but I want my hosting roll back. You've heard enough about me, so Mark, now I'm going to flip it over to you. Can you please reintroduce yourself for the audience? I'm Mark Menino, and I'm Chief Operating Officer at Essential Digital Commerce. Been here for about a year and three months now. My background is purely marketing and ad tech and e-commerce. I've been in ad tech for like 20 plus years. Most recently, I spent nine years at, at Amazon focusing primarily on the programmatic business, what became the DSP, and then my last year, year and a half on sponsored ads. Okay, so as my first question for you, I want to know what makes a good senior hire. Alex McCord in the Building and Digital Commerce Team episode made a point about how we need doers out here, not just strategic thinkers. So is it, oh, you worked for Amazon for 10 years or? No, no. <laughs> And Further not, I don't mean to be like, it, well, first of all, Ken, I think that the the key thing that I've found out here and really anywhere, we talked about getting your hands dirty. And Alex, it sounds like he hinted at that. Yeah. Like you can't just be strategy and you can't just be, you have to be willing to dig in and learn how something works. I learn every day from the retail side, from people like you who are you know, and I, and I, and you have to be really, really a sponge on this stuff because how that stuff works is really important to some of the decisions you're going to make. If we're making decisions to about a specific product that we have, that we're realigning it, or how are we, maybe we're reorganizing a team a little bit. You know, we've been, we've acquired 11 companies or so in the last couple of years, and we're figuring out how do we pull them together into a coherent offering like we have to know how this all works. So you need to really not be afraid. I think anyone, it's not just at Essential, but it's anywhere. If you don't, if you're not willing to kind of dig in and figure out how this works, you're not going to succeed. You can't just sit and, and think. And I think what's cool with like a lot of our companies, if you listen to just the founding stories of the brands, it's just like two people sitting in a room trying to figure something out and then they sort of figure it out. Granted, everything changes like every single day, but they sort of figure it out and then you get like a business model going and whatnot. But it really comes back to two people sat in a room and got their hands dirty and just tried to solve a problem that was not already answered. That's the hardest part about entering at a senior level because if you're like, if you're a founder, right? So take Patrick Miller or Roscoe or... JS or Eric, any of our founders, you know, they were there when it was them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then they, they've built it over time. And so they know how everything works because actually the job they're hiring this 22-year-old for, they used to do because it was just them, right? Yeah. So, but when you join it, and, and I've been at companies where I was really early employee and you just learn how stuff works because you have to figure it out and you're doing it. It doesn't matter how, what your tenure is or how old you are. And, um, but when you join, when there's already hundreds or a thousand people, it's really hard to get into the weeds like that, which is why I try really hard to 
make close connections with people who are on the front lines, right? And I was lucky enough when I joined, I had a few people who just reached out to me and said they wanted to learn from me. And they don't, they may not even know it, but I'm actually sucking as much knowledge out of them and vice versa. It's a very, uh, you know, it, it, we, we, it's a good give and take because I need to know that stuff. You know, what I talked about on the Amazon DSP, I haven't run a campaign in many, many years, but by working with people on our DSP team, like Rob and Jess, I'm able to understand what's going on and still connect those dots. Did you learn anything from me on the DSP episode? You said you suck things out of people as much as... I don't know if I said anything quite insightful. I don't think you said anything particularly insightful. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> Neither do I. I most. learned zero from you in that episode. <laughs> zero. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but it didn't. I didn't lose learning. I didn't lose knowledge. <laughs> That was key. <laughs> I'm so glad that I didn't just suck. <laughs> suck. Knowledge I came out to dumber. I exited dumber, slightly dumber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next up for you, I have a question that's kind of derived from a question on the kitchen floor that I got before this recording. But say you've been hired by an e-commerce company like Essential Digital Commerce. What can you expect in a more senior position to for your job to be? What is what does day one look like for that? Do you mean just as you like the first three months or the first six months? What's expected of you? Is that kind of what the question is? Sure. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We um we have a rather unique onboarding style for senior leaders, and it comes primarily from Chip. Chip Paula is the, one of the co-founders of uh, Flywheel and the uh, co-president of Essential Digital Commerce. He focuses solely on absorption and learning for your first couple of months. And don't feel pressure to like come in and on day two make some amazing, impactful impact. Um, and it freaked me out. Like I was like, wait, 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 I just can't. Like at Amazon, every week we were like having an, you know, making changes and having an impact. And it really, it really threw me to spend time just learning and listening and absorbing. But I, it ended up being great because as I started to take over the role that they wanted me to take over, I really knew how the business ran, how the business worked. I knew I'd already built the trust of a lot of the team members. I'd been adding value anyway, just from conversations and everything. And now I've watched new executives join and go through that same process and have the same freak out as I did of, oh my God, I need to be doing something. And I don't think a lot of companies have that patience to let you join in that way. But I really, um, I really think it's worthwhile and, and, you know, and, 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 and valuable to really, cause you really don't know. It's a little bit, um, I think you'd be, it, it's a little, I don't know what the right word is, but, but to think you could walk in a company that's running and, and immediately, like tell them what to do is a little bit, would be a little bit odd. Like actually looking back on it now, I kind of know how this business works and I think I can add a lot more value. What is your advice for, you asked me to give my advice for younger people coming into the industry, but what is your advice for someone like me who's just kind of starting out, but you've already started? Nothing, In terms absolutely of just, nothing. Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> it's funny because when you did your three things, it kind of mirrored the way I was thinking about this because one is um, you really need to be in an industry like this, you really need to be resilient. Like we are always changing things. It's changing on us, right? If you are not resilient and cannot handle change, 
you will hold yourself back. If every time someone says, hey, I, I've got you doing X, but I want you to do Y, if that throws you, or you think, well, that's not what I was promised, people will just work with other people, to be honest with you. Like the, the people that we wanna work with as leaders and as young leaders and the people that we wanna bring up and, and, and elevate are the ones who can handle that because we're, we're, it's not, we're not an insurance company, we're not a coal mine. Things are changing every day here and you have to just be ready for it. Another thing is, I, I think, is just being curious. You talked a little bit about that, and um, and having a point of view. Like, uh, you, you'd be amazed the people two, three, four years into their career know so much more about certain things than I do, because you're doing it every day. You're talking to customers every day. I, I don't get it to talk to customers as much, and so being curious and learning and and building that knowledge base, and then not being afraid to give your point of view. No one's ever been yelled at, at least here, for having a point of view, even if it's wrong. So we learn about it. It's usually, there's value in it. What we don't want is someone to just meekly wait to be told what to do and not really not really express what they think should be happening because that's what you're, why we hired you. And then I think the last thing is, is really finding a mentor and mentors, finding people to emulate. Like like I said, there, there's those people who've reached out to me even like the first week, right? And I didn't know who they were and they wanted to catch up and we still have a bi-weekly or monthly one-on-one -on -one. and it goes both ways, but but finding mentors at any level of your career just helps you because you don't know and your manager doesn't might not know either. And having someone external or on the side, both at the company you're at or, and then also just in the industry. I mean, I still mentor some people that, worked with me at Amazon and I still do calls with them regularly because they just need that external perspective on, hey, this is what's going on. What should I do in this? And it really, it helps them. I love doing it and you'll find people that really like it. And lastly, I'd say, because there's going to be someday we're going to need people. And if you only reach out to people when you need them, they know that. One more question for you. What person or project has had the most impact on where you are in your career today? It's a good question. I worked for one guy at Amazon. I mean, I've had a, I've been really lucky. I've had a lot of great managers and bosses and whatever you want to call them. But I worked with one for a couple of years that was just, um, I'll tell you one thing. He was hard. He was tough. He pushed me and the team harder than anybody I've ever worked for or with. And going in, I was a little nervous about it and everything. And, I, and people would be like, how, how, you know, but he taught me more and developed me more than anyone I'd ever worked with. And, and I think the lesson there is a couple of things. One is that sometimes you want to work for that really, really tough boss. I mean, he was fair and we worked really well together and he never put me in a position that I was going to fail in, you know, because we were getting, we were in meetings with SVPs at Amazon who'd been there 25 years and those were tough meetings. And I never was put in a position where I thought I wasn't ready because I'd already been through him right? We'd already gone through. So push yourself to work for the hard boss and for the person who's really going to push you. It's just like going to the hard, you know, everyone applying to college wants to work at the, go to the better school or this or that, which, you know what, it's a little harder, but it'll, it'll push you. And you want to work at the, you know, people want to work not in our industry, but at Goldman or McKinsey or Bain. Yeah, it's hard, 
but it's going to push you, right? And and we we hope essential digital commerce is is in that gets into that area where people think like that. The other thing I made a big mistake because I actually left him as a you know, I was working for him and it was going really well and and I left and that was a mistake. And I'd say if you're working for a really good boss, cherish it because you know what you've got. And I think I, I, I left a little bit too early in my tenure working with him because um, I could have probably learned a lot more and developed a lot more. But but that was a that's a lesson learned. What should people they just listen to the show and they want to start building their career in digital commerce? What should they do right now? Well, it depends where they are in their career, school or whatever, what year they are, how close they are to, to doing this. But I, I would take a few of the lessons we had in the uh, in the episode. One is I'd really be curious and spend time shopping <laughs> online. I love it. <laughs> online. It's a shop opportunity. Go in and like figure it out and like learn and look and see if you like what what goes on cuz like I said it's always changing. And the second thing is you don't have to go get the job to know if you like it. You can take any of these courses like I said Amazon has a certification course, others are developing them. Take it. It's relatively it's low, it's cheap, it's free. And it takes a you know, day or two for you to learn, hey, is this something I really want to do? Yeah. And then if you do like it and you've passed the certification course, geez, if we interview someone at a school who's already certified on Amazon, we'd be like, geez, look at, the, look at how much motivation and how interested the this person is. Yeah. The initiative instead of everyone else just kind of sends, in their res- sends out 250 resumes just hoping and praying for a job. <clears throat> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't be like everyone else. (laughs) Don't be like Emma. Thank you, Mark. And that brings us to the end of this special episode of Mastering Detail on starting and or building a career in digital commerce. Thank you to Mark Menino for helping me out with both roles for this episode. And I hope you've learned something about potential careers in this industry and how to grow an existing career. If you're interested in learning more about our open roles and or our company in general, please check out our Flywheel Digital, Perpetua, and or Spotlight LinkedIn pages, or you can just reach out directly to me. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel, with sound design from Enos Tenchi. Please share this episode if you found some value in it. That really helps us out. I've been half your host, Emma Irwin, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>